What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to yet another episode of Pittsburgh Baseball Now's very own podcast, Two and a Half Gringos. How you doing? We missed you. And we are here, ladies and gentlemen. We are at the point where we give our top 10 Pirates prospect lists. I know you've been waiting for it. I know you've been antsy. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be an exciting episode. And you know, we, we got some things to say after the list, but we'll hold that off. But let me introduce my co-hosts for the evening, Anthony, Big Bear Murphy, and Nola Jeffy. What's going on, fellas? What's happening? Not I could a- be happier today, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, good times. It was a very uneventful day when it comes to pirate stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Twitter didn't blow up or anything. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> But um, you guys have been awesome in submitting your top 10 lists. And we figured before we give our very own list and your list, we're going to recap number 30 through 11. So Murph, the master list holder, let's read 30 through 11 before we get to the fan list. All right. 30 through 11. You're going to make me say a lot of words tonight, aren't you? Yes, I am. Yep. <laughs> so, we're, we're increasing your word count. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> right, this ain't so the DVR, with... buddy. <laughs> <Damn it. laughs> uh, all right. So starting off at 30, we had Shailen Polanco. 29 was Tony Blanco Jr. 28 was Matt Gorski. 27 was Sung Chi Chang. 26 was Colin Selby. 25 was Michael Kennedy. 24 was Travis Swaggerty, who who may or may not have been a talked about person or trending at one point today on, on my Twitter page. You said the magic <laughs> word! <Ha-ha. laughs> at 23, we had Malcolm Nunez. 22, Dario Lopez. 21, Kyle Nicholas. 20, Carmen Majinski. 19, Hunter Barco. 18, Lonnie White Jr., 17, Jordani De Los Santos. 16, June Suk Shim, which we finally got to see some video on him. Shout out to Jim. Jim coming in clutch. Yeah, Jim coming in clutch with that. Although I don't know what he meant by you people. I, 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 I did, I've been, here's a video for you people. Like, what do you that, mean, you people? That, yeah, that's us. Um, 15 was Jared Triolo. 14, Carlos Jimenez. 13, G. Juan Bay. 12, Thomas Harrington, and number 11, Jared Jones. Just outside the top 10. I had Jones number 10. I had him number 10, but we can't all win. Um, But, Murph, we got to get to this fan list, man. There was uh, quite a few participants in this. I was shocked with how many people submitted. We even had Anthony Solomedo's dad throw his hat in there which was kind of cool to see. Uh, I was honestly shocked Anthony wasn't number one on his list. You got to have a little bit of a, a dad brag, but shout out to him for I being mean, partial. I mean, I will shout out to him because my dad probably wouldn't put me on the top 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> mine either. Mine either. Um, <laughs> but Murph, let's, uh, let's get that top 10, man. Who comes in at number 10? So first I will give honorable mention to the guy who – Actually, if based off of my scoring thing, it actually wasn't close, but he came in 11th still. Um, G1 Bay just missed the top 10. Mm. Um, a lot of interesting names up here. But, like, I mean, it's not too far off. I guess we'll see in here in a second. But at 10, we had Bubba Chandler. 
Mm. At nine, we had Anthony Solomito. Okay. And Leo Verpiguero. At number mm -hmm. eight. Mike Burrows. Okay. Nick Gonzalez. Okay. Luis Ortiz. Hmm. Quinn Priester. At number mm. three? I like at it. Four. At four. Oh, at four? Oh, Keep yeah, up, yeah. Cody. Keep up. I'm sorry. <laughs> Math is hard. <laughs> at number... <laughs> At number three is Henry Davis. And number two is Tamar Johnson. And then number one, no surprise. I think there was only there's only one person who didn't have Indy as the number one project. No, oh, I thought it would be Jacob Gonzalez, to be honest with you. <laughs> he was he was a very close, not even listed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, that's a that's a fairly reasonable list if you think about yeah. it. Yeah, pretty straightforward. It's cool. You know, it kind of came. There's some some things to where like some people were like incredibly high on someone, and then like someone else was non-existent. But like by the time it was all said and done, everything kind of just averaged out. I think. Yeah. Shout out to um, Graves for ranking Tamar. Rather low on the top ten. I, I I give her props for you know very few professional at bats and you know she wanted to see. It was it was kind of cool and and she got a little spicy in the comments so we we can always <laughs> dig a good fight. Uh, we can I know dig Yark a good fight. I don't I don't know if Yark left left his or not on there, but I'm sure he was he really approved of the Tamar not as high thing. Yes, he would. Because <laughs> he's not as high in stature either, you know. Yeah, like yeah, has yeah, to throw yeah. that into the loop. <laughs> Always got to talk smack on the short guys. Oh yeah, he hates them short kings, babe. He hates them. It's all right. It's I. I got you. I love my tall boys, but short kings have a special place in my heart still. <laughs> uh, speaking of Yark, he also discussed uh, the Carmen Majinski. Uh, debate that we had on the last pod and um he wasn't too happy with us called us jagoffs but you know we still love you yark it's okay man we we still love you but was I guess... nola, wasn't he saying it because we were calling him a reliever and isn't yeah. nola the only wasn't i mean why do we get lumped in because nola made a bad decision on it <laughs> <laughs> we all get the only one that called him a reliever <laughs> I, I, i'll admit i i didn't say it out loud i kind of agree with him he, he's he's definitely uh i mean at this point judging how he was using spring i would probably say so unless they like since they sent him back in there they've really stretched him out but i, I don't know i don't know but murph we gotta okay. get this top 10 list the people want it the people need it they need some more of it so, drum roll. I can't do the tongue roll, but <laughs> where's Juju when we 10, need him? At number ten, we have left-handed pitcher Anthony Solomita. Oh, Solomita. number ten. Number ten. I had Solomito just outside the ten at eleven. Wow, you're you're gone. You're gone. You're yeah. dead. Straight you're straight dead. to jail. Straight to jail. <laughs> Where did Jens have him? Ten. I had him at ten. You had him exactly <laughs> ten. Yeah, I think 
I, if I remember correctly on it, a lot of Nola and mine top 10 are pretty close to being the same. Mm. So. All right. Well, I guess you guys got to fight to the death to talk about Solomedo here. So, I mean, I mean he's, he's kind of just like, the thing that I like about him is even for his age, he kind of seems as one of those guys that has a pretty safe floor just because of the, the, the deception and, you know, He's a lefty, pretty good slider. The changeup looked pretty good in Bradenton. So I would hate to call like a, a 19, 20-year-old like a sure thing. But like from what I saw there, he, he looks like a major league pitcher. I, I think what's really going to determine just how high he projects is that the fastball velocity. Yeah. If the fastball velocity it cranks up and like we're already hearing that it's what like 95, 96 right now yeah. in, in camp. So I but like the big thing with that will be is like is that maintainable for a full game over a full seat, you know. He threw what about like mid he was he finished like, like mid forties in innings last year. So like if we can get him up to the seventies, like eighties this year, maybe a little bit high. So if he can maintain all of that, the velocity throughout the year, I mean I know I said it before, and I wrote about it on uh, P2 a little bit, but, like, if the velocity is legit, then, like, we're talking about, like, a whole new kind of pitcher here, you know, top 50, top 75 prospect overall. He he becomes real special if that velo bumps. Yeah. And it sticks. It's going to suck because he's going to be in Greensboro, and there's going to be no – data really to go off of. I know in Savant there's that little trick you can do. And you can actually get data in Bradenton's game. So yeah. Jumping to Greensboro, it's gonna be a bit of a challenge to actually judge how yeah. he looks. But you know, in the few videos that Greensboro will stream this year, I'm excited to see what he can do. Mm-hmm. If he can maintain that velo at 95, even 94, I think the changeup and the slider will play much better off of that velo jump. Cause what was he around 91, 92 in Bradenton last year? Mostly. Yeah. 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 I mean, even very high eighties or nineties most of the time. Yeah. Well, and it's just the, the mechanics, the movement he already has, you know, the control he has, if he adds velocity to that, it's just, it just makes it that much more like devastating. And I kind of perceived that he was likely of the pitchers that we think will be in Greensboro, just with his repertoire that he has and the way his pitches move, I kind of expected that he probably even still would have had probably one of the better seasons in Greensboro because his stuff is better suited to, you know, keep the ball on the ground, which is what you're going to want to do in Greensboro. Yeah. But then, yeah, if you're going to add in some mid nineties fastball on top of it, like kid, Kid could rock it up and be something much more special. And I know we were talking about the P2 comments a little bit and where I was even saying, I'm like, just the fact he's flashing it right now is promising. Yeah. And then we'll, we'll see where he's at this year. I mean, he's a big kid, big body already with a big frame. So we'll see how he does with maintaining that in a game and over an entirety of a season. Cause that, that's going to be something that, I mean, he's only 20 still. So, yeah. yeah, it's going to be something that still, as he matures, he's going to build that up. And even basing yeah. off Salamedo's dad's comments on the velo jump, 
it's something that he's he can actually hit. I think he hit it even in high school. It's just first professional mm-hmm. year, and um, I'm not sure how many innings he pitched even in high school that year previous. So it, it, if he's hit that before, I think he can maintain that. It's just now we have to see it. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. a wait-and-see type of thing. Um, so Salamedo at 10. Who we got at 9, Murph? Before before we, yeah, we go that one thing like building off what Nola said about the uh, keeping the ball on the ground, I had posted on Twitter a couple days ago. Um, Yark brought this, uh, or no, I was looking up, but Yark got me looking into it more. Um, pitchers to have at least a fifty percent ground ball rate and at least thirteen percent on their swing and strike rate, like only four pitchers in the Pirate system did it. 112 pitchers in single A um, through, or how'd it go? 112 pitchers through at least 40 innings in single A last year. Only 21 of them, or 21 of them had a 50% ground ball rate, 13% swing and strike rate. Solomito was one of three teenagers to do it. The rest were like 22, 23, you know, so like he, if you're looking for someone who can maintain success, even going into Greensboro, you're going to want someone who could keep the ball on the ground and someone who can generate swings and misses. And he did both of those at a rate that was among some of the best in the minors last year. So. I'd assume his slider had the majority of that 13%. Probably. Probably. Yeah. Probably. I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Bring it, bring, keep bringing those numbers. And if he can bump that ground ball percentage up in Greensboro, like Nola said, he probably will have a very successful year in Greensboro. Mm-hmm. The home roads like you said, he's fun to look at too. Yeah, I, like I, I would agree with Nolan there. That like, if I had to bet on someone to have like the prettiest of the numbers out of their rotation, it would probably be him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if you look at just the projected starters in Greensboro, there isn't a whole lot of names there that pop off the list. Maybe Jimenez. Maybe. Maybe Harrington, if Harrington starts there, pitches majority of the year. Maybe he he does he puts up some decent numbers with the changeup and all the other stuff and all that. But yeah. like of all the ones that we know, probably more or less for sure that are heading to Greensboro, I'd go with Solo. It's probably having the better, the best looking mm-hmm. numbers. May not yeah. still may not be pretty, but yeah. Interested to see Bubba too. Yeah, Bubba will be fun Bubba. to look at because. Yep. I mean, his fastball placement is very high, very high in the zone. So we'll see how many home runs fall victim to that fastball. But maybe Bubba's nine. Who we got at nine, Murph? And number nine is a pitcher, but it's not Bubba. It is Luis Ortiz. Number nine? Mm-hmm. Oh. A L- little, little lower than the fan list. Yeah, little lower uh, in than my list too. I had him six. Yeah, I'm probably the one that brought this one down. Yeah, I had him. I had him ninth. I had him fifteenth. Fifteenth. Well, I mean, with okay. with how you've like kind of approached like the whole thing, I, I guess that doesn't doesn't surprise me on there. I guess there's still um reliever concerns kind of thing, but. Cody, you had him up there, so like I guess yeah, you can. Yeah, I'll lead. I'll lead, and you know, um, the the fastball, the velo is there. We we've seen it, and you know, we've discussed it even uh, in the group chat and even on Twitter. The fact that 
he does not have very good swing and miss stuff when it comes to that fastball. And that's extremely concerning, um, especially for a starter, even a reliever, if you think about it. Um, off speed plays really well off of his fastball. I think his slider is pretty devastating when it's on. But I guess you could say that about any pitcher. The The number one thing is how are they going to use Ortiz? Is he going to develop that third pitch? Is he going to go the Spencer Strider out like Nola always points to uh, with the two-pitch repertoire? I personally think, and I know Shocker here, he's going to be in the bullpen. I think that's his destiny. I think that's where he belongs in the back end of a bullpen. Um, AAA is going to be a very key placement for him. We knew it was going to happen with manipulation, but I honestly think he needs to work on his fastball and a third pitch. If he can generate swing and miss and get called strikes on that fastball, it's a whole different ball game. Because we saw Luis Ortiz in the WBC, and he looked pretty damn good. I, I mean, am I wrong here? Say if I'm wrong. I mean, him and Rowanzi looked pretty damn good coming out of Dominican's bullpen. So, And I, I know it doesn't matter, and the WBC should be taken away because players are getting injured. You know, and that's a different podcast for a different day. But I, I think if Ortiz can actually fix his fastball issues and develop a changeup, even an average changeup. I think he could make some waves, but it's a wait and see with him. And I am concerned, but I'm still hopeful. I think his floor is fairly high. I I think his floor is a fairly decent bullpen pitcher. And I'm fine with that. I'm fine with number six placement for me. And I know Murph is smiling. I know Murph is smiling. I know Nola's smiling. They may not agree with it, but that's my opinion, and I'm sticking with it, goddammit. So you go ahead. Rip me to shred you two. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, yeah, like, I, I mean, I've posted a couple of things uh, on Twitter, too, about, like, the, the his fastball whiff rate is not good, and it's that's not a really a recipe for success, but one name that I did notice on there who who's had some success in the majors, who he's kind of somewhere in between where with uh Ortiz and Oviedo was was Patrick Patrick Sandoval on the Angels. And you know, he pitched really good in the WBC. The the difference with him is, you know, his slider and his changeup are are his two best pitches and they're really good pitches. So I think Ortiz can get by as a starter with that kind of whiff rate on the fastball. As long as those, I mean, the slider's the slider's amazing. There's no concern about the slider or anything like that. But if that changeup comes along and becomes a good enough pitch to where he can maybe lead with it and work, use the fastball off of it, um, then then yeah, I, I think I still think he can have pretty good success as a starter. I mean, we we don't know. It was also a, sm- a small sample size too in the majors. Maybe. Maybe the I mean we're dealing with what four starts last year and a couple starts here in in spring. Uh, like the whiff rate isn't looking too much better in spring right now. Last time I checked, but um, I do I do know Tim wrote an article about that on on P two last season talking about how like the fastball didn't seem like a swing and miss pitch, but we didn't have the data, the exact data to go with it. Um, so I guess we'll kind of see if the changeup really comes. I have no really no concern about him being a starter even with the fastball not not generating a lot of miss. 
Now, before before you go, Nola, do you think if he develops that slider and a changeup into his two primary pitches, do you think that fastball whiff rate could go up just based on guys are sitting on sliders? I, I could I could see it improving mainly if the like the changeup really comes along. I could see the the fastball whiff rate going up a little bit. I mean, when you think about it, I would probably say that like we get caught up with the upper nineties and him touching triple digits and all that. I'd probably be more inclined to say that the slider is his best pitch right now compared oh, to I agree over the fastball. Yeah. So like, I mean, he, so he's already working with this, this slider that's already plus plus plus, or, you know, like I, I think I saw some somewhere mentioned like a 60 to 70 grade on it. So up to a 70 grade on it. So yeah, if that change up comes, we could, might be able to see some more swing and miss from it, but We'll see. I didn't know a changeup could come. Now I know. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Nala. Lead, lead with your Ortiz discussion. Yeah, well, and obviously, yeah. My my, I think my thing was that I still held him with pretty high reliever risk, which is why I had him as low as I did. And it's funny talking about all this and. The way y'all are describing it is it's even giving me Oviedo thoughts. Because it's pretty much the same thing we've been saying about, about him. Just, you know, it's like he's got a devastating slider, but that fastball is – it's going to hurt him. But, I mean, I, I do think Ortiz's fastballs in a better place than Oviedo's. Um, but – some tweak. I don't know if I want to say tweaking, but I, I, a changeup would definitely help. A third pitch for him. I think Ortiz is one of those guys where it's going to be a game by game basis. If you know the two pitches themselves, if the fastball is working that day, he could. Maybe one of the lesser lineups, like against the Cincinnati Reds, where he's just blowing them away. If his command and control are on that day, he could destroy guys, but. I, I think the potential is still there for the being a starter. It's just I think he does still have a lot of at least especially of these upper level um higher ranked pitching prospects, he just has the highest some of the highest reliever risk to me, which is why I had him as low as I did. Yeah. Is he your highest rank reliever, quote unquote, on your list? Uh yeah. I would assume. Maybe oh, guys, uh... <laughs> well, I mean, I mean he, but just he's down there a bit, but yeah, of, of guys that I think have, but but see, again, I, I think Ortiz still has starter potential, so that's why I, I, I can put him a little higher. Yeah, I mean, it Ortiz is going to have a very crucial development stage in AAA. He needs it out of all of the upper level pitchers. I I would say, I think he needs it more than more than that's most. fair. That's fair. At least the ones that have been in the majors already. Guys like Quinn obviously need to be in AAA a little bit more, but yeah, I think guys who have touched the majors already definitely need. He out of all of them definitely needs more AAA time. Develop a change. Did he throw a changeup at all in spring? Yeah, he threw a couple. He, he threw, threw a couple. couple. He threw a couple pretty good ones too. He, he like he, he got a uh, like a swing and miss strikeout on 
on the changeup. It was like a either bases loaded or multiple guys on base or something like that, and got a swing and miss on a full count with the changeup. Okay. So he's thrown a couple, not much. It's harder to track now because like we haven't seen him as much lately. And I think one of the games he pitched it didn't he pitch in that Baltimore game that just didn't have any tracking or anything like that too. Yeah. Or is that yeah? So um along with WBC. Uh, Velasquez who just pitches Baltimore. <laughs> I feel like that's sure. for a reason, obviously. <laughs> we don't want you to see him. <laughs> I was gonna say, watch him catch so much hate the first televised start he has, and then for some reason he's gonna have some like miraculous like six inning one hitter. Quintana had six innings. That's illegal. Quintana had a horrible spring. It's been awful. Jose Quintana had a horrible spring training. Uh, He had like an eleven ERA or something. Yeah, it was double digits. Hey, hey, spring training stats only matter if they fit your narrative. Okay. We're gonna discuss that after the list, Nola. Calm your nerves, boy. Calm. I'm on beer three. Leave me alone. <laughs> I see you drinking Miller Light. That's my boy there. That's my drink. I love Is that. It. The first, the, the first two were Modelo. Oh, that's, so. better. that's better. That's much better. Modelo's good. Michelob Ultra actually isn't bad either. I tried. Watching that your, you watching your figure? Dude, I had a Michelob Ultra at a family get-together. It was actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Miller Lite's still the best, in my opinion. Or Corona. Corona Lite's good, too. Love me some Corona. None, none of that lime shit, though. Don't put the lime in there. That's, that's, that's no. That's disgusting. Disgusting. All right. I, I'm getting off track. I'm getting off track. <laughs> let's, let's slow it down here. Let, let's go with number eight. Murph. Who we got, man? At number eight, we got Leover Peguero. Peggy. Yep. All right. All right. Where did I have Mr. Peguero? This is following me right now. I got I had him eight. I had him nine. I had him I had him seven. I had him nine. So Murph, you gotta lead with the Peggy talk. Oh, well, I mean I just am. I'm not buying his his the down season he had in Altoona. I, I just think there's there's so much raw skill there, and there's still so much talent there. Yeah, the defensive issue, the defensive thing is an, a problem right now. I I'm becoming less. The thing I will say is I'm becoming less and less confident in him staying at shortstop. But I think he's just so athletically gifted. Plenty of speed. I mean, he stole almost thirty bases last year. He's shown some some gap power, and and I and I just feel like when it comes down to it, so like the difference between say I have a little bit of strikeout issues, but not not a lot. So like the difference between like someone like Pagaro and Gonzalez, who I had ranked a little bit lower, is the the versatility factor more or less is when you. Gonzalez really just has second base to fall on at, at that point. They can move him around all they want and, and you know, throw him at a shortstop, throw him at third base. Like, he, he he's a second base. But someone like Peguero could play second base. He could probably play some third. You could probably even put him in the outfield, which I've had people tell me that that he would make a really good outfielder if, if they would just throw him out there. Um, Seems to be a recurrent theme with shortstops we have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does. 
<laughs> it does. But um, so I'm I'm just not buying. Like he's still what? He's 22. Yeah, turned 22 20, in December. Yeah, he was 21 last year in Double A, which is really good. I I would have to say. I mean, when they optioned him, it actually said like option Faltuna, though, right? I don't yeah. know how much that actually means that he's going to play there, but like I wouldn't even mind him starting there. I was kind of trying to do like you know, kind of filter out and set up some rosters for the upper levels, and I mean, I had him at Double A, and but. I don't think anything's wrong with that. I just – I see so much skill there to to kind of just give up on one bad season for him, especially with how good he started that. Well, I mean, and, and you also got – he finished fairly strong too. Yeah. The month of he, September was a good, bad. like, couple of weeks. Yeah. It was like – what uh, I got the numbers here. 273, 355, 436 slash line with a 791 OPS. I mean – that's not amazing numbers, but I mean it's fairly strong finish because yeah. the middle months were it was a struggle. After after he came back down from from Pittsburgh when he played the when he spent that weekend up there, just like all all kind of crashed. Yeah, and he was batting what in the three hundreds the first two months. It, it was up there, like he was destroying Double A, like he was yeah. far and behold like one of the better players in that league at that time. Yeah, April he was 324, 360, 578 with a 938 OPS. May he was 303, 327, 465 slash with a 792 OPS. Look at Cody coming prepared. <laughs> I know. I I I don't want to be the guy who just like makes funny comments. I actually want to contribute to the actual baseball talk here. I don't want to make uh cum jokes. As uh, I made earlier, you know, I'm stepping up. I'm stepping my game up, guys. It's okay. It's all right. Um, he even did his hair for tonight. Yeah, you like that hat hair? You like that hat hair? I'm getting the <laughs> I'm getting the Jonah Hill fro going here, man. This is super go. bad, Jonah Hill right yep. here. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't know. I I think Peggy probably does end up in the outfield, but. I feel the same way about Pagaro as I do with Bay. I think they're athletic enough to make it work. It's just you're not going to be talking about gold gloves out in the outfield for either. None okay whatsoever. They both have to, and especially Pagaro, they have to use the bat to be successful. They have to hit. Mm-hmm. And I know Pagaro has fairly lightning quick hands through the box. And, you know, they talk about Nick Gonzalez having lightning quick hands. And I think Pagaro's is faster, to be honest with you. And I, I think the potential's there. It's just last year was concerning for me. I need to yeah. see him succeed this year. And I want to see him jump up to AAA fairly quick. If injuries and call-ups happen fairly quick. Which I was I say, that's, there's a lot of clutter they'd have to – to get rid of to to kind of make room for him first, but I, I mean it's I, clutter that can be, it's clutter that can be made if it once they are ready to make that attempt. Yeah, and so. we've seen Charrington call guys up from Double A quite often, which I don't agree with personally. But that's he runs the team. He that's how he runs it. Fine, I just don't like it. I think there'll be more of that later. Questioning how he runs the team. 
Yeah, sure. there'll be a lot. It's a little bit of a, a foreshadowing to the end of this podcast. This is a lot of setting the table. Yeah, we're we're doing a little bit of foreshadowing here. We got we got to uh, you know set it up. Yeah, but I, I guess a, a little bit of my piece on Peggy is uh, a, a lot of his is still like projection, where it's just a lot of like he's still a real toolsy kid. It's just not a lot of it's present yet, and. I mean, he still only struck out, what am I saying here, 21.3% of the time, which is not bad at all. Yeah. He's just, again, yeah, he's just a very toolsy kid that just needs to get it going in-game. What was his walk rate at? Uh, 5.6%. He struck me as a person that just, after he went back down to Altoona, he was just constantly trying to do too much all the time and not just let his skill set play. Like he got well, like used to things, Pittsburgh and, and one of the And one of the things yeah. I one of the things I recognize, I remember when he was in Greensboro with the few games we got to see, um there were times it's almost like he got antsy at the plate. Mm-hmm. Because if, if if you like watch his hands closely, when he was on, his hands were real like calm. And he just like he got set. Went into his swing and swung, but like when he was down bad, like in in a he was struggling, like you would just watch his hands and they were just like moving and wiggling, and then he just whenever he would go to swing, he just couldn't get into like you know because some guys like a wiggle, but that it leads into their swing to get yeah. set. With him, it was like it was almost like it, it, it killed his timing, mm-hmm. and then he would just get he would get under balls, he would top balls. I didn't watch him close enough to that point last year. I didn't know if maybe that's still a problem, but like it just seemed like it, almost like he was getting in his head at times. Yeah, it was last at least last year for sure. Like it, it, I felt like it was one hundred percent mental because like if you look at his tool set and his skill set and, and like just his arm and his range and everything, there's like he he's a surefire no doubt like shortstop. He can play the position. He 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 made he's made plays at, at that position. That like I, I've seen very few shortstops in, in the minors be able to do. It's mm-hmm. once he gets the ball, it's somewhere from where he goes to make that throw, the motion just in his head that he starts like, "Wow, this throw has to be perfect," or 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 something, and the ball just goes mm-hmm. everywhere, but it's where it's supposed to go. We saw and that in like spring too. Yeah, it's the same thing at the at the plate too. It's like okay, well, like this is it's like a two one count or something like that. He's like, okay. This is my opportunity. Let me do something. Let me do something. And then he's swinging at like this slider that's in the dirt that he has no business swinging because he's just he's thinking too much. Just let like just let the natural skill that he has just let it play. Just just go through the motions. And, and I I think there's like like if I if I had to pick like one person as like a bounce back guy like, like for me it's for me it's him. The kiss method. That's Keep fair. it simple, stupid. <laughs> 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 Go ahead, Nola. I know you had a little piece there. Piece on Peggy? Yeah. I gave my piece. No, I thought you were gonna continue off what Murph said. I heard you. I, oh no, no interference. No, you, you said the kiss method, and I just blew a kiss. Oh, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Kiss back to you. All right. Thanks, buddy. Not a problem, um, <laughs> Murph. Let's uh let's get to number seven here, man. 
Number seven is Piguero's good old buddy, Nick Gonzalez. (laughs) I had him number eight, Ocho, for the non-gringos listening to the podcast. Ocho. I had him six. Murph, where'd you have uh, good old Nicky? I had him ranked. Oh, Nola, you get to lead the discussion on Nick the Stick. Whew. Ouch. Yeah, well, that's a bit of a harsh uh, rank in there, Murph. I know. Well, but, you know, as you were saying, uh, that's fair. I think recently that, you know, if, if this one had gotten some of the uh, spring training update, he might have moved them. But um, I guess I, I was just still. I like the bat. I like the tools. I love the hands. The, the, the swing and miss issue. I mean, that, that's something that Murph and I have been harping on for uh, I guess about like two years now. I mean, that as a, I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast before, but maybe like you know, online, just that, that, that that's actually part of the reason why I started doing those minor league hula face this week because we wanted to start tracking like okay what pitchers is nick gonzalez facing because it seemed like every time he would start facing like more advanced pitchers is when the swing and miss would really show up when he was playing in greensboro just because like those high fastballs which and jared schuster i remember watching games against him when he was uh in high a and just would blow like a 99 91 mile an hour heater past him enough of that but I think what he's doing this spring, I'm hoping it translates into the season because I'm really like what I'm seeing. I mean, he's been hammering balls, making great contact. They've been breaking balls, and, too. Yeah. It hasn't just been fastballs. He's turned on. Mm-hmm. And obviously a lot of his future is, you know, beholden upon his bat. So mm-hmm. – I I think there's still a lot there. I think he can even still hit for some power. So I'm 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 still buying that he's gonna do well. Yeah. And you know, you brought it up, Murph, just now. The the fact that he's hitting breaking balls, staying back long enough to actually hit them and hit them hard. You know, Nikki G making hard contact isn't uh, an anomaly. He he does that. It's just mm-hmm. he does that against fastballs, and we haven't seen him do it against breaking stuff. And it's it's very encouraging, very limited at bats during spring, but that's all we can really go off of right now in the terms of now. In the past, sure, there have been issues, and we've talked about that a numerous amount of times that Gonzalez has a lot of swing and miss issues, especially for a contact guy. And, you know, if he's starting to make hard contact on breaking stuff and starting to stay back and pick his pitch, and we've discussed that too, it seems like Nikki G has a problem picking his pitch. He wants to hit everything hard, and he's not staying back, swinging early, and it's concerning, but... um. I'm I'm fairly encouraged, and that's why I moved him up a little bit in the rankings this year, um, at number eight. So it's it's encouraging. 
And I'm really interested to see how he hits triple A pitching because that's one step away, one step away. And you're facing fairly seasoned guys, either guys who have seen major league pitching or right on the cusp, just like Nikki G is. So how is he going to respond is going to be a big teller of, I don't, I don't want to say how his career will unfold, but it's going to be a big teller of what's his floor going to be. Mm-hmm. And I think his floor as of now is an everyday second baseman. That's his floor. Can he reach that ceiling? Potentially. We don't know. AAA is going to be a big test at that. So Murph, I'll let you uh, stem off of what I said on Nick the Stick. So yeah, like it's definitely been encouraging seeing what he's done in in spring. Yeah, you know, he, he's waded back and and hit driven some breaking pitches the other way and 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 whatnot. I mean, so I mean that's pretty much exactly what I wanted to see, and and part of the reason why you know like I have him a little bit lower than 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 you guys. And like for me though, like. I just I just have to see it like consistency because like I wrote an article last year about like he had that week against uh, who, who's the Yankees double Hartford right and like he he struggled yeah he struggled really bad like they're throwing out like pitcher after pitcher that had like above average breaking pitches and he struggled so bad but then the following week like he bounced back and looked like he made the adjustment and. He was hitting double doubles and like he he had a great week, and then he fell right back into the same kind of groove. Somerset, and so like yeah, Somerset. There it is, Somerset. Um, so for me, it's just it's more of a consistency thing. Let me, let me see him do it over the whole, whole season. But like if if he's able to do that, if he if he's able to combine the you know plus plus hitter that they're saying he was during the draft process along with this like newfound power. If he's able to find a way to combine those two, then like he, he's pretty much exactly, if not more what, what we were hoping for when we took, when they took him in the top 10. So I, I still think he like defensively, I, I still think he's just like a second baseman at this point. And I think oh, I will we'll see it. The one thing I will say is like it would not surprise me at all if like so you play six games in a week for for Indianapolis if like he I'm not going to say two 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 but it, like it wouldn't surprise me if, like if throughout the entire week he's playing at each different infield spot just to kind of continue that and that would also give Triolo a chance to to play a little bit short as well and mm-hmm. and because they're they'll probably have Bay Bay down there and Marcano down there. So they're going to want to get them all time. So Gonzalez is probably your go-to second baseman, but it wouldn't surprise me if they keep trying to push this versatility thing on him. And if it, if it works, I mean, that kind of lifts his floor up a little bit more too, because if, if the swing and miss issues can continue at the very least, he's some sort of like bench utility infielder kind of thing. I will say this. He, some- he looked fairly average to above average playing third base in spring. He made a couple of plays yeah. that were pretty flashy. And Apparently, he he did fairly. Well. I saw a couple of people say something during the a- the Arizona Fall League that that they thought he looked fairly solid out there too, because that's where he got his first bit of games out there at it. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, we'll, well, we we already have somebody at third base though. Yeah, Triolo. 
<laughs> Yikes. Future Gold Glover. Yes, he is. Mr. 1 for 25 in spring. Hey, I just want to ask you guys, now that Key is hitting home runs, is he going to finally win his Gold Glove? Yes. His offense That's an offensive thing. category that defense. His offense was the only thing keeping him back from winning a defensive award. They'll they'll probably still find a way to give it to Arenado. Arenado could like play five games, get hurt for the rest of the year, and they'll be like, "All right, he's still the best." Here's a good move. That's that's frustrating. It's very frustrating. Frustrating. Um. All right. Number six, just outside the top five. Who missed the top five, Murph? Number six is right-handed pitcher Bubba Chandler. Oh, just outside the top. Busy. Okay, let me see. I had him seven. I had him seven too. Murph, did you have him higher? So, so we know who's talking about him first. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I will never turn away a discussion of Bubba Chandler. So I don't care where I had him ranked. If you want me to lead, I will lead. <laughs> well, I am I curious. I where did you have him though? I had him six. Six. I'm, oh, so right on the money. Yeah. Yeah. I, my my chart. I keep going back and forth on the chart, forgetting that I have a different spreadsheet opened up just with my list. Too many tabs. Here, so I kept getting... Yeah, I got to see. This is what I'm. Ta- this is what I told you. <laughs> I got too many tabs. <laughs> um, All right, man. So, Let's go ahead and lead with Bubba. Bubba, man, he's a pitcher now, and he uh, has the most explosive, one of the most explosive fastballs in the system, and. Those break the the curveball slider and changeup and all that stuff. They all look like they can be pretty good too. And this is going to be his first year to where not only this is going to be a second year focusing on just baseball. So we'll get that kind of growth. Yep. And now this is going to be his first year where he's going to be focusing on nothing but pitching. So we're going to get a full year of Bubba the pitcher, and oh, that gosh. is very exciting. Should make a billboard. Oh, sure. <laughs> just I, I, I just he has maybe outside Tamar the most upside in the system. I think. Okay. From like a raw standpoint, kind of thing. Maybe what we maybe what we could get and stuff like that. Yeah. I, I, I feel like I feel fairly comfortable in saying that. No, no, that's. I, I wouldn't he, say he that's has a very high bust factor or a hot, take. very high bust factor still. But as far as pure upside, yeah, I, I think there are very few in the system I take over Bubba. Yeah, yeah, and you know, talking uh, to full count uh, the facility that Bubba works out at, um, I, I, you know, got some very encouraging you know comments on his stuff. Um, Slider is obviously his best secondary pitch. Um, he was working on uh, kind of separating his slider and curveball um, because at times they look kind of similar coming out of the hand. So, you know, having two distinct pitches and, and working on the tunneling and things of that sort. Um, Changeup is very, very early in stages of development. Um, but even having a changeup is going to be encouraging for Bubba, especially playing off of that high 90s fastball. Um, you know, and pair that with a slider. You know, even if he cuts the curveball, you still have the slider fastball. So it could be a Cody pitcher, which is very, very, very cool. <laughs> I have to get it in there. 
I know you're shaking your head. I have to get it in there. Um, every pitcher, every pitcher, every, every pitcher. pitcher, man. Three innings, four innings max. Get him out. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the, and the numbers you sent me, Murph, for the article I wrote on Bubba, it was uh, interesting stuff, especially you know judging off his call strike and swing and miss numbers. Uh, fairly encouraging, uh, considered how many innings he pitched. Um, he ranked fairly high in the FSL, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, for, I mean, he only pitched what like 25 innings. Yeah, it was and, very and it, in in Bradenton, so like very small sample size for it. But yeah, like his swing and miss numbers were elite, especially with that fastball. Luis Ortiz could yeah. learn a thing or two. <laughs> it's crazy you think that too, because like both have high velocity. I mean, it's not like Ortiz's fastball was flat. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Bubba's feels like it has more natural movement to it than than Ortiz's. Yeah, Bubba's well, has a little well, bit Bubba's of more has... rise. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it's it's just weird how that works sometimes. Yeah, baseball. Yeah, they're, they're they're not that far off comparison wise. Yeah, baseball's weird. Also, yeah, because uh, Ortiz's four seam acts. You know, again, it's kind of funny saying it that uh, Ortiz's fastball. Moves more like a sinker. Yeah, it does a force. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of run on it. Yeah. So, all right, Nola. So, what what do you got on uh, Bubba the pitcher and purely a pitcher? What are your thoughts on him? Well, I I think he uh, I think he made a right move. Um, I believe it was changing his profile picture to him of uh, in the Pirates hat the parrot. Yes. (laughs) I think it was I think it was a wrong move cutting the hair. (laughs) <laughs> um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, young kid, big kid, big stuff. I think it's going to work in his favor, focusing primarily on pitching. Um, I think, I think he's could have a real big, big show year this year. Mm-hmm. That, but slider, fastball, and yeah, because yeah, you sent us those numbers, and the changeup was definitely something in the process in the very early stages, and hopefully he develops that. So we're not talking about him in the same fashion we are all these other guys. High reliever risk. On, yeah, on, on that precipice of the majors, and we're like, if they could develop a third pitch, you know, I mean, we're at the point I where would... guys don't necessarily need a third pitch. They need like a third pitch and more as a show me, but mm-hmm. it's another tool in the tool in the in the bag is definitely very useful. So, and if he can yeah, come down, he almost down... had a fifty percent strike rate with pretty. He almost had a fifty percent strikeout rate with pretty much just that fastball in the FCL. So, <laughs> yeah, that fastball plays. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and you know if he can cut down, uh, and work on his control and command because I know there was obvious issues there, but he's young. It was his first year of purely just baseball. So we can't really judge too much of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And just work on being a professional. That was the main emphasis on what I got from the interview at full count. So work on being a professional and work on the command and control, just not adding anything, just working on with what he has. Which, you know, like I said earlier, the KISS method, keep it simple. You know, if Bubba can keep it simple and work on his command and control, I wouldn't be shocked if Murph's statement was correct. Having 
probably the highest ceiling next to tomorrow. That's, you know, it's not as crazy. And my Mitch Keller Cy Young votes isn't crazy either with that cutter, baby. I had to put it in. (laughs) I I will say too, like on like Bubba's changeup, if there's a group of pitchers for him to be working with the entire year, it's probably this one that can really help that when you think about it. Pogu Chen's got got a great off-speed pitch. Uh, Jimenez, obviously. If Thomas Harrington spends some time in in Greensboro, how much of Terry with his changeup. So like, I mean, they're all working on their own development and things, so I guess we can't really expect them to to kind of focus any of their time on trying to help someone else out. But like, they'll be around it every day, so I'm sure some of the stuff will rub off on them. So it's Pir- it's a good group to be around if you want to kind of take that next step with the changeup. Pirates starting rotation 2026. It's a pretty good, good rotation. Yeah, it, I mean, if they all reach their their ceilings, that's a hell of a rotation. All right, all right. So, numero five, Murph, we're in the top five now. Number five is right-handed pitcher, Quinn Priester. I had him number five. What'd you have him at, Murph? Number five. Nolan and I, top five is exactly the same. And I think because it's the exact same that, like, our final list ended up that way, too. Because two of Two of the three of us had the same, so it just kind of outvoted Cody. I had, I had Quinn number three. Yeah. I had him. So number... uh, um, okay. Okay. So I guess I got a lead. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed that we didn't get to see more of Quinn in spring. I think he had mm-hmm. two innings of work, or in, two it. appearances, something like that. Um. And one of them was the Baltimore game to where we didn't even see. Right. So not a whole lot to go off of in spring, but I mean, he has the sinker and he's worked on the backdoor sinker that we talked about last season, which is going to be huge um, if he can develop that and maintain that spot. Um, The curveball we all know about, it has from what we can tell elite number, uh, in terms of spin rate. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for Quinn is just to stay healthy. I think if Quinn can stay healthy, have a full season in AAA, and maybe he gets the Rowanzi treatment and gets one start in Pittsburgh to get a little taste, which I'm cool with. It, it'd be fun to see Quinn at PNC. Um, I, I really think his sinker is going to be his go-to pitch. And even talking with him, his he much more favors that sinker than his four seam. And his slider, we've seen it in the Futures game, uh, was in very early stages of development. It still looked good. And mm-hmm. if Quinn can develop a slider on top of that sinker and curve, I, I think Quinn is destined to be a middle-of-the-rotation starter. I think people need to stop putting that ace tag on him that everyone talked about leading up to last year. Um, I don't think Quinn has that ceiling, but I think ranking him third is justified purely based on the fact that his slider looks good in early stages of development. His curveball has elite numbers with it, from what I understand. And his sinker, 
has the potential to be a very, very good pitch in the majors. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and I uh, love me some Quinn. I love his intensity. Yeah. So oh, that's why I, I, I had to put it I, up. That, um, was it that game against uh, Winston-Salem in, in 2021? He, he like, he, he, bases loaded, nobody out. He got out of the inning. Um, I think he struck out the next three people, all three hitters. And um, later, in the, that was the same game that he got out of the bases loaded jam with zero outs and then had that immaculate inning, too, later on. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. It, yeah. He, he's a stud. He's a great pitcher. Like, the slider is really good. Was it, In the AFL, the, the little bit of data I was gonna, I was able to get in the Arizona Fall League, his slider had a whiff rate over 50%. So, like, that, that's – Is yeah. that good? Is I that, think so. <laughs> that text message so. you sent us with with crew is that good or skeins is that good? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, that's 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 it. But yeah, yeah. I mean, Quincy, Quincy. I think he's he's the guy. When you look at everyone in the system, like I mean, obviously it's it's easy to say that because he's in Triple A, but like he's the mm. guy that you look at and like he's the guy the surefire bet. You know he's going to be a starting pitcher in Pittsburgh for the next however many years. Like, the upside may vary. You can argue on the upside. Cody, you brought up the thing with the ace. I hate people using the, the – I don't use the word hate too much, but I, I can't stand when people use the word ace because they don't know what it actually means. So they don't act- – so when they say it, like, I just know they don't know what they got, you know. Yeah. Well, that, that, that the word itself is just – it's subjective, so. Yeah, yeah. So is it, is it You're getting the ball every two. five days. It doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> every pitch, yeah. Every pitch is getting the ball every five, yeah. five days. So like, and, like, and once you once you once, once opening days done, one through five doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so, but I mean, he he's he's the guy that we know for if we keep him past free agency or we, however we do it, he's he's going to be a starting pitcher. He'll be a member of the rotation for as long as the Pirates keep him within the organization. Mm-hmm. He's a safe, surefire guy, and that's mm-hmm. why you don't get many of those nowadays. I feel like I said the same thing about Brad Lincoln, though. Mm. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> I, I was at that uh, game where Carlos Santana hit a home run off Brad Lincoln. <laughs> mm. Sad face. Yeah, that's a major <laughs> sad face, especially for Murph. I like Brad Lincoln so much. Yeah, yeah, you and me both. All right, Nola, yeah. what's your uh, what's your QP thoughts, man? Um, basically, I mean, I guess you pretty much already touched on it. It's just to me again of the the uh, upper level pitchers, he has the highest floor to me, to where like I feel like he is a definite starter, and it's gonna. The upside is going to be kind of contingent on if he's able to generate more swing and miss as he goes. Because as of right now, he's more a little more of a contact pitch to contact type pitcher, ground ball, which in itself will be kind of well with the sinker, though, if you think about it. So it's yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's it's just going to be interesting to see how. Because thinking on it, you know, he was pitching in Altoona, and he'll be moving to Indy. But, I mean, he pitched well in Greensboro, with Greensboro being a 
home run happy players. It's just, I mean, kind of like how we were just talking about Solomato. He just had the type of stuff. He has the type of stuff where he should succeed in Greensboro just because he's going to be able to keep the ball on the ground. It's kind of the same <laughs> thing with Priester, where he's just able to keep the ball on the ground. Um, and it's just if he's able to stay healthy and show a little progress to miss more bats, like, I mean, middle rotation is probably where I had him as it is, and but his floor is back end rotation, so. Yeah. So, so, like, I like that you made that Priester and kind of like going back to Solo Mato with it because where I talked about Solo having the 50% ground ball rate and 13% mm-hmm. swing and strike rate, Quinn Priester was one of three other pitchers in the system to to do that last year as well. <laughs> so, so if, I guess, if, yeah, I guess if that further proves that, like, if anyone can succeed in Green, if Quinn succeeded in Greensboro, so can Solo with it. But also, with that, like with the the thirteen percent swing and strike rate, isn't isn't bad. It's a pretty good number there to yeah. have. So like that kind of that kind of gives me a little bit of hope that maybe there's more there. Maybe he's still learning how to properly mm-hmm. utilize all five of those pitches. And you know, because we saw like the, him kind of mm-hmm. kind of use the slider a little bit more in the AFL. So mm-hmm. once he kind of learns how the best way to sequence all of those pitches now. Maybe we do see that uptick in strikeouts because the swimming strike rate right rate yeah. is there. It's just he wasn't finishing hitters. Well, so. I want to. I want to say I might be wrong, but I want to say the MLB league average was a twelve and a half swinging strike rate. Yeah, I, I would have to double check that for the major league average. But I, I want to say the major league average was twenty and a half, and reason because I, <laughs> I was looking it up because of Oviedo the one day, and he had like a nine and a half percent. I want to say it was. That's how I was like. Ah. Why'd you look? Why'd you look Oviedo up there, Noel? Because <laughs> I love him as a starter. It's fine. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, so Quinn, bottom line starter, just where is he gonna start? And I think another thing too with him, if you can surround him with average to above average defenders. I think his numbers will be much better than anticipated because, you know, minor league defenders, you you never it, bring him up to the majors above average defenders. His numbers will be better. Just throw the sinker. Baby. You're, just, you're just trying to piss me off, aren't you? Yes. yes above average defenders playing the proper position. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm setting the table for you, man. I just want you to get. <laughs> Woosa. Woosa. <laughs> you didn't see the wake before I started talking. Come on, man. We we gotta have. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go get another beer. Go get another one because we're getting close. I, I feel like I know. I feel like I know who the next one's gonna be. And Murph's gonna want to talk first. Yeah, go ahead. So, Murph. <laughs> although I feel like maybe I should because Murph's gonna go on a while. But uh, I'll let Murph. Do it. I'm gonna go get a beer. <laughs> as as Nola go gets a beer, Murph, who's number four, man. Right, number four. Number four is going to be right-handed pitcher Mike Burrows. There it is. I had him five. I think Nolan. I had him four. Okay. All right. Well, so go ahead and discuss Burrows while Nola gets a beer. <laughs> so Mike Burrows. Big thing with him going into last year was can he? You know. Oh, I feel like we've said this a hundred times already just on this podcast. Can he throw a third pitch and can he throw it effectively? Threw the changeup, 
by the end of the season, changeup was looking pretty good. Came back this year, throwing a slider. And the slider now, as that as spring training was going on, looked better and better and better. And I think the last game that we actually saw him before he got sent down, like the metrics on that slider was just insane. Um, Were they marking that as a changeup on Savant? Yeah, originally they had marked it as a changeup, which I knew wasn't the case. One, because yeah. the spin rate was completely different. That's a really and good changeup with spin rate. <laughs> and then and then two, it had it breaking the opposite way as all his other changeups. Yeah. So like clearly it wasn't that, but they adjusted it and everything like that. I think the way that I look at because like obviously the the big conversation would be Quinn versus Burroughs. And for me, it's because we talked about Quinn being more of the safer pick. He has the higher floor. We know he's going to be the starter. I still think to an extent there's still some reliever risk with Burroughs. But him adding that slider puts him as close. I think at this point now, the only reason I would say he has the reliever risk is because he's been He's fought injuries each of the last two seasons. We still haven't gotten like a complete full season out of him without some sort Mm -hmm. of missing time and stuff like that. But him adding that slider just kind of shot him so much higher up. And, you know, I said Quinn has the higher floor. I think Burroughs definitely has the higher ceiling between the two. And that's that's where I kind of end up going with it. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of find it funny that Fangraph still labeled him as a single inning relief pitcher, even though, and they mentioned the changeup, even though his changeup is one of his higher ranked pitches. Oh, so uh, yeah, it's it's had, value. Is it Fangrass that have it as his highest now? Like as a 60? I, or is that yeah. baseball? His fastball, his fastball was definitely higher than his curveball. Like his curve, his curve, they took, they, they had a, it was a 60 last year or like the previous year. And now they had it, they had the curveball at 55 this year. Yeah. It, so. it's hysterical to me to just well, I don't know was it his last appearance i think yeah, he threw a couple of sliders and like came into the chat and was like was that a slider did he just that was filthy no, he, that was filthy yeah, yeah he, he got multiple swing and misses with it that game yeah oh, so yeah they don't even have a slider listed on fan graphs because yeah, i think when they started doing this list was probably before he even went out there and and then if they were just going off of like last year's stuff, like there's no way they would have seen that. Yeah, so, yeah they get his uh, Fangraphs has his changeup as a 60 grade right now, mm-hmm. but he's still. I I don't think NS9 brought that brought Burrows up with Long and Hagen when they had him on. So that oh, would have been so, interesting. Yeah, that yeah. would have been that would have been something I would have brought up immediately. It's like, hey man, he has three pl- pitches. His third pitch is now a plus pitch in your eyes. What's up with the the, uh, relief pitcher thing? I'd I'd ask them what they thought about their sinker. Thought about his sinker. But, yeah, I mean, Murph pretty much hit all the points. It's just Burroughs, to me, still has the highest uh, potential of the starters. So that's why of uh, that group – between like Burroughs, Priest, Ortiz, uh, Burroughs to me is still the number one out of those guys just because, I mean, that fastball plays top of the zone with the rise. 
What was it? The the uh, induced vertical you sure break. Sure, it's or <laughs> What's that? You sure it rises? I'm not sure, man. It oh, has yeah. some oh, sink yeah. to I, it. Yeah, I don't. I don't know <laughs> how why... he. I don't know how his fastball gets that much swing and miss. So, like, that's another thing too. Like, I want to. I just want to. I want to figure that out. That that it it blows my mind. Like, well, he, here's he Burrow's throwing ninety three, ninety four, ninety five sometimes, and and these guys can't touch his fastball. And then you got Ortiz pumping out ninety eight, ninety nine, hundred, and the dude well, is in the four hundreds when it comes to well, the rate. Well, it's it's that whole like IVB, the induced vertical break. Like he has like a ridiculous like twenty point five, twenty one point five IVB. Like and that's mm-hmm. it. That's up there with like. Garrett Cole and like other pitchers and their top fastballs, like his, it's ridiculous. Whereas, Before, you know, as oh. as we're talking with like Ortiz, I mean, his fastball has sinking action, so his mm-hmm. fastball is dropping, like so, with you know gravity. Whereas like Burroughs, <laughs> it it has the illusion of rising, mm-hmm. and it's just it's hard for guys to catch up, especially when you're spotting it top of the zone. And then the curve is obviously dirty. That slider, a fresh pitch, like he got some ugly swings on that. It was like, hold up a second. It makes you wonder how long he's actually been throwing that. I'm wondering if he was throwing that last year in side sessions or something. He looks too advanced to be that fresh. And then even touching on that we didn't even really touch base on just the, I guess we could call it improved mechanics, improved motion. Like, yeah, it, and it's not that same violent whip that he was showing last year. And you touched on that with Jones, too. It seems to be, yeah, they both are less violent, which is gonna well, be yeah, arm saver. It, it seemed like something that was just kind of like a like, like a two year deal because like Lucas Giolito was doing it, Joe Musgrove was doing the short motion. It seemed like a quick, like two year deal, and already like people are like, man, because even Keller last year was like, no, I went to a much you know, mm-hmm. uh, extended yep. motion. Mm-hmm. And Kranich was doing the short arm too. And everyone was praising Vic black for it. And you know, the whole, that. Whole yeah. Um, yeah. Burroughs is that, that, that was pretty fair. What you said, Murph, he has the highest ceiling out of the, the two pictures you mentioned, you know, it's just a matter of if Burroughs can, complete a full season we've yet to see it and he he pitched quite a few innings last year if i'm not yeah. mistaken so yeah it's, he missed some time but he still pitched like high 80s low 90s i think he still was able to, to get yeah. around i think it hit the 90s i want to say i, I believe it might have been the, the 90s. 90 94 and two-thirds okay so yeah he still hit 90s that's which and that's a bad not season yeah, which yeah, you know, and bump him up in the hundreds, hopefully. So, I mean, I'm I'm wondering how the Pirates will utilize that because I know they're very wary of injury risk and things of that sort with pitchers, so they might limit his innings as far as reaching over a hundred. But um, I don't think there's very much more to say on Burroughs other than what. Nola just brought out with his swing and miss stuff on his fastball, his curveball, and the new addition with the slider. And, you know, got to talk about that sink. 
All right, man. Number three. I gotta be nice. We're friends again. <laughs> Number three. Who we got, man? Number three is catcher Henry Davis. HD tank tank. I had him quattro. I had him four. Three. I'm three. Yeah, I'm three. All right. You two fight. Well, Murph, you led with Burroughs, so let Nola lead with uh, Tank. Well, I mean, okay. it's obviously all pretty much projection on the bat, which so long as since we're talking about health, if he can stay healthy, not get hit by the bat 500 million times in a season. I mean, when he was healthy, I the bat looked amazing. The bat looked great. The eye, the patience. Um, he doesn't have a problem catching up to speed. I mean, there was – I forget who it was and which team. I want to say the Senators. I'm not sure. But someone has some overseas veteran pitchers, like a 29-year-old dude just throwing 99, 100 miles an hour. And he was just trying to hit the top of the zone. Davis was just fouling pitches off. No problem. Like, no issue. and. I, I think the bat is special. The question is going to be, will he stick behind the plate? They seem sure. Fire on keeping him behind the plate, which he's starting a year in Altoona. We'll see how that goes. I still mm-hmm. question that, but I love the bat. Love the bat. Yeah. Yeah, for, for, for me right now, it's 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 almost 100% bat. And I, I, think, I think I've been – I don't say I've been the most vocal, but I feel like I've been one of the more vocal guys when it comes to, yeah, he's probably not a catcher long term, but like mm-hmm. I don't I don't care because he the dude can hit like I like I'm watching going back and watching his, some of his video back in Altoona and I tried to pick the games to where it was it's made more sense that he was probably healthier at the time. Mm-hmm. That so and like I don't see any kind of issue with his approach, his bat. I for it's it's just going to come down to he just needs to stay on the field and and get that experience that he needs. I mean, I I don't mind putting him behind the plate, like let him catch for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I will say, I mean, he did swipe a couple bags. He's a little more. I don't want to say yeah, he fast, moved. but nimble. Yeah, he moved out there. Yeah, he moved. He's a little more he nimble moved out there. And for by by all by everything that I can assess and everything like that, going back to the the fall league, he looked better back behind the plate in in the fall mm-hmm. league as far as his receiving and and keeping pitches in front of him and stuff like that. He, there's got to be something when it comes to mechanical motion or something like that because like the outside of his power, like the thing that the people talked about the most was like his arm, like he oh, had a yeah. plus plus arm, but he only threw out 13% of the, the base dealers last year. So, yeah. some, so there's some sort of, you know, interruption or there's something in between there that misconnect that for someone with his arm, he shouldn't be throwing out hitters with that low of a rate. So mm-hmm. I'm cool with him letting him catch as long as possible. Like, I remember it was the Baseball America was the one that kind of said like they they kind of see like a Mike Napoli kind of thing and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you put aside the whole first overall pick thing, like even to even even considering the crapshoot that the draft is, look look at Mike Napoli's numbers for his career. Like I would take that yeah. in a heartbeat. Wasn't there Buster Posey? Uh, 
comparisons too from some site. I forget who. Someone, if someone said that, they were crazy. There was Buster Posey. <laughs> like, I don't know if it was like someone like Fangraphs or Baseball America, but someone somewhere I saw say Buster Posey, and I was completely thrown off by that. I mean, he has the probably, like, he has an, it's probably like, he has everyone's the favorite. Uh, one of Pirates Twitter's favorite tweeters. That's usually up for the Jackies, maybe. <laughs> I, I would say that's. I feel like that's probably like a. That's probably one of those like lazy comparisons that that people can make to where it's like, oh well, he's a catcher and he's an elite prospect. So, what other elite prospects have there been that have gone in the top of the draft? And, it's probably like, Keith Law. I, I mean, Keith Law was the guy who had him like at the top of the draft boards and like yeah, the entire Keith, time, Keith, right? Yeah, Keith Law had him one on one the entire time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's anyone who's big on him, I guess it'd be him. But, Which worries me. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, Keith Law was the Kevin Newman table pounder, so. Oh, God. <laughs> he still pounds the table for Kevin Newman. I wonder how he felt Kevin about Newman. the Dari Moretta trade. <laughs> Reds are going I, to the World Series. Uh, he had honestly, it taken that better than I did. He was honestly probably happy. Because I think he still holds Kevin Newman against the Pirates the way he talks. <laughs> you know, I, I I would love to see like Kevin Newman like send one over the fence it, uh, opening weekend. As long as it's not the against Breaker. As long as it's well, not against Breaker. Some... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Newman's gonna hit a uh, forty-five mile per hour number that'll go for a <laughs> double. People are gonna call him the next coming. Absolutely, bro. bro. <laughs> that? Tapioca special. That beer is empty. A beer is empty. You gotta get another one. Well, no, this one's full. That one I just grabbed. The Miller Lite's empty. <laughs> wait, wait. You got a Modelo now? You, you, what, what, what? What was with the Miller Lite in between, man? Was that like your break? Was that your water? No, yeah, that's one Annabelle handed me earlier. So. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, I needed to rehydrate, so oh, now yeah. I'm back to Modelo. <laughs> Quotation. <laughs> um, yeah. T- I mean, it, what you guys said with Tank, it, there's really not much else to say. I'm gonna be honest. I took a piss in the middle of this, guys, and uh, I didn't really hear what most of you said, so I'm probably gonna just repeat. And um, as Nola as has frozen on us, and it's not me for once, so that's fun, Murph. That, that's real fun. <laughs> I will add on to uh, what like Nola brought up, like Tank being able to like uh, turn on fastballs and stuff like that. He hit a home run against Andrew Painter last year, who like as we saw in spring, like Painter was like hitting ninety nine hundred in spring. So yeah, I mean his power isn't coming into question. It's just we barely get to see it. Yeah, and the contact and everything. Like, his approach, like, I'm not worried. Like, that's one of the things I mentioned. Like, I'm not worried about any of the numbers he put in Altoona. Like, he, like, it's all there. It's just a matter of him being healthy and on the field. Okay, now, this question has been bugging me forever, and I'm not sure if NS9 talked with Loggenhagen about it. Is there something about Davis at the plate that just makes him a ball magnet? I mean, is he that close to the plate? I mean, I don't think he's 
that much. I mean, I don't think he's crowding the plate that much to where he's getting hit a million times. I will say, without like saying names, I have talked to someone who watched him play like even like pre Louisville days, and said his his approach always has been more of a like. Eh, I really don't mind. Like, I'm not going to rush to get out of the way. So it's not always something to where, like, maybe he's close to the plate. I mean, but, like, I think Nola was the one who brought up, like, it did look like he did take, like, a full step back or something like that at one point yeah, when he came even back. Even, like, half a step. Yeah, he, he took he took a noticeable step back. Well, noticeable for, like, Salavas on it. But... it's just always been kind of his approach at the plate, apparently, that, like, he's just... I mean, if he gets on base, he gets on base. It it gets him on base. So, he's got to take take a pitch to do it, then then he has no problem doing it. We just would like to see him stop doing it. (laughs) Yeah. A a little few balls, a little fewer balls in the hands. Yes, please. Yeah, hands, for sure. I mean, or start wearing, like, Super padded gloves because I know he goes no gloves like old school. But oh, he's got that thing on his wrist and like covering up part of his like yeah. That's like some medieval armor he's got going on there now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Which is even more surprising. He still generate the bats that he does with with it. But yeah. All right, number two. It's either Tamar or Andy. Um, it is infielder Tamar Johnson. All right. I mean, you could say the same for Andy, but <laughs> yeah. I tried to make create some suspense with it. But yeah, Tamar. <laughs> no, um, Yark, you might want to close your ears for the Tamar conversation. I know, I know, it pains and hurts you to to hear his name, even you know, kind of like Voldemort, he who must not be named. Um, I don't know about the short people. <laughs> <laughs> I had Tamar ranked uh, number two. Um, did you guys have him too as well? Two. Yeah, I think one and two were like unanimous between all three of us. Okay. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. Uh, since I basically skipped out on the the Tank Davis talk, I guess I'll lead um, with Tamar. And I, I think the number one thing that needs to be mentioned Maybe. is, um, did I freeze on you guys? Yes, I did. That's great <laughs> stuff. That's, see, this is why you need to listen to this podcast because there's going to be no editing whatsoever. You get this full raw everything. It's going in raw, guys. Oh, I think he did that on purpose. Okay, I'll lead. Uh. <laughs> That's how I look. That's great. That's great. See, when we start streaming on YouTube, you guys get to see the whole thing. and It's going to be amazing. You're going to love my mug. I swear to God. But we'll lead with I'll lead with Tamar. And, you know, the first thing that needs to be mentioned, Murph, the numbers that you pulled from Tamar Johnson's exit velocities in the short amount of time he played. Um, that's elite level stuff right there. It's elite. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, the questions come into play. Can that power translate as he goes up through the system um, being of shorter stature? and not being your prototypical power frame. Um, I think Termar could use a few more pounds on him, maybe. Um, I think Termar's power can play. I think it will play. And at the very least, his ball-to-bat skills are still 
there. And I think Tamar can get on base. I think that's going to be his number one thing. Defense, we're not going to really talk about a whole lot about with him. Um, I don't know if he's going to be shortstop, second base, whatever. I know he discussed sticking at shortstop when the Pirates drafted him, but I don't see it. I, I think he might move to second base. I think that's probably his better um, placement. But uh, Murph, you brought it up earlier. Tamar has probably the highest ceiling in the system. And I am really, really curious to see how he handles Greensboro. If he starts out in Greensboro, I'm not sure. I'm I'm assuming he would. Um, if not, maybe they just have him in Bradenton for a month, maybe less and see where it goes from there. But um, Tamar is an interesting cat. And I think even his floor is still a very good player. And that's where I'll leave it. I'll let you, Yins, uh, discuss Tamar Johnson. And, you know, we'll talk more about him. Yark, I'm sorry. Well, so long as you don't, you know, freeze out again. Um. You know, I have a button here that just freezes <laughs> myself instantly. Yeah. Um, yeah, def- definitely super excited. Super excited. Uh, well, see more uh, tomorrow this year. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I guess uh, to box score, watch tomorrow some more, see some highlight videos. But it's just majority of it is just projection and the talk about him. And it's just the way everybody talks about him. I'm just super excited to see a full year out of him. Yeah. I think so much upside. I I think. And and one of the biggest things that sticks out to me and it kind of bothers me is, you know, before he touched a professional field, I forget who was talking about him on um, MLB Network, but they were like, it reminded me of Ken Griffey Jr. watching him swing and just watching well, him. That was Harold Reynolds, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I don't think he misses a chance to to let people know he played with Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. And, and that bothers <laughs> me a lot because that puts so much pressure on a kid who has still a teenager, really. And you're it's still 18. Yeah. Well, and, I'm not so much worried about the pressure on him, though, more than it's just – I don't even necessarily think it's going to be pressure on him more than it's just us having to listen to dumbass people that take that for – as the yeah. Bible, and they're like, well, they say he's going to be Griffin. It's like, come on, dude. Like, yeah. Or he has the same bat-to-ball skills that, like, Vlad and Wade Boggs have. Right, yeah, like just, it's it's those like, comparisons like two, that just throw me. In a two me sentence off. span, you na- you just named like three Hall of Famers. <laughs> right. So, so, like, I mean, I will say that like everything that Yark says about Tamar, I get it to an extent. I get it. Like his his variance on it, if he's limited to just second base, being like a the fourth overall pick, like. There's there's no margin of error really with him. He like he he got drafted to hit, so he's gonna have to hit. But when you turn the the video on on him and a little bit that we did get to see him in Bradenton, like yeah yeah you you see exactly why. Like his his ability to barrel up a baseball at 18 years old in in single A, 
is mm-hmm. and for how hard he hit the ball. And like it's it's pretty special what what he did there in just a brief little time. I mean, the he hit a home run, but like it was an inside the park home run that like barely left the ground. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> I, I feel like I need to get. Watch. Yeah, I feel like I need to get that out there because I, I feel like too many people talk about it and they don't realize that it, mm. it, it was an inside the park home run that like barely left the ground. <laughs> but he hits the ball really hard. He and like okay, maybe hit the the frame isn't as projectable, but like you you take another guy who has like a similar size and, and uh, Sung Chi Cheng, and he, like it's you can already see the difference in the power. Mm-hmm. stuff like that mm-hmm. so like the power is there the ability to square up with the balls there like the the tools is there to be like a special player even if he is limited to to second base and it, and it feels weird making that kind of exception with it because like we just had that conversation about like Piguero and Gonzalez and that's kind of and I said that's kind of why I have Piguero over Gonzalez because mm-hmm. he has more of the versatility and stuff like that but when you're talking about a guy with the kind of upside that he does offensively, that kind of like just counteracts the fact that he's mm-hmm. a second, just the second baseman. Well, yeah, well and even tools just the usurp fact- Gonzalez and Piguero, the potential yeah, yeah. of his tools. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he, I was just saying, even just, you know, we just got done talking about Tank Davis and really even him as a 1 1 pick, it was like he's going to need to hit because we're he's currently at a premier position, but. We're not really sure he's going to stick there. So, regardless of where mm-hmm. he ends up, it's largely going to be contingent on the bat play. Mm-hmm. But another thing I was thinking about too is that's it, kind of interesting. Like, especially with you comparing Chang to Tamar, I think that's kind of where going back to like when we talk about someone like Sh- uh, Shim, you know, with someone like Shim, it's like he's already in his body at such a young mm-hmm. age. It's kind of the same thing with Tamar. Like he's a stocky, thick five five foot seven, or five six, or five eight, depending on where you look. I think I saw one place say five ten. I was like, that's definitely wrong. <laughs> Those are some that, thick cleats. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but I mean, he's already you know like into his frame. Whereas you know like Chang, you know it's he's a wiry little kid, and you're like maybe he might add some more weight, but you know that's. Like, if you look at, well, we'll say, Andy Rodriguez and Marcano, I want to say, like, low A, or even both of them are, like, 21 years old. Like, they were the exact same build. But, like, Andy kind of, like, got a little stronger and put a little bit on his frame, and Marcano just stayed the same. As well as there's talks about, like, mechanicals and uh, the swing and those types of different things to where, like, it is the swing – built to drive power within their body and their frame kind of deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's all projection at this point, but the tools that he has, if, if he lives up to that potential, it's, it's a very, very special player and Mm -hmm. maybe hall of fame, but we're not going to make that off of how many at bats that he's had. And Harold Reynolds yeah. discussing the that, that just sorry that that just irks me. Um, he had two plate appearances. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> he made that comparison before eighty-two plate appearances. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. he made He's that up a, a batting practice session. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, Andy Rodriguez, number one. I How'd mean, you know? Yeah, I'm I'm magic. It's it's the Jonah Hill hair. It it just adds so much brain power. Pretty so, much. Yeah. Um. I mean, what what else can we say about Andy? Other than he's special. Yeah, he's special, and you know the pirates are service time manipulating him. Um, when in reality he really does need work defensively. Um, behind the plate he got better towards the end of the year but still needs some time his approach at the plate was really really interesting to see during spring training there was a couple of um at bats that i watched where you know he went the other way down in the count and for the double what i'm pretty what was it one two or oh two he was down and he Um, hit that double the other way so, I mean, his approach at the plate is extremely advanced. Um, still super young comparing, you know, where he's at um, in the minor leagues at AAA, which, mm-hmm. you know, and the Pirates got him from Joe, for Joey Lucchesi. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take that trade any day of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the fact that he hit, since full season ball he's played in, he's hit, I think, what was it, 290-something was his lowest batting average. So the the bat-to-ball skill has always been there. The contact has always been there. Um, I'm really interested to see how his power plays out, to see how many um, home runs he could potentially hit at PNC um, when he gets there. But, I mean, at the very least, he's going to be an on-base machine. Mm-hmm. just with the amount of hits that he can produce. And, you know, that's an RBI guy right there. That's a ribeye. You know, put him in number three in the order and go from there. Um, yeah, I mean, what what else is there to say about Andy, guys? I mean, not really much. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't strike out. He walks a lot. He's a high-energy kid. You know, he seems like he's having fun. Everybody's having fun around him. Yeah, it just seems great, kid. I got his autograph. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I just, I think you know, I try to keep this. I, I try to keep you know, watching him play since Bradenton and stuff like that. I'm just so excited that he's taken this progress and taken these steps and stuff, and now. We're, we're like on the cusp of him being able to do this at the major league level because like, mm-hmm. may, 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 maybe it'd be you'd, you'd probably be crazy to say that like watching him play in Bradenton we saw this kind of level of progression or him didn't probably expect him to reach this level that he ended up reaching but you watched him play in Bradenton and you just knew he was going to be a good player you just knew mm-hmm. he was going to be a good major league player and it's just it's it's very exciting to see him take, take that kind of step because like Nola said, he's just seems like he's one of those energe- energetic guys who you know just people love being around him and he can bring that kind of spark to to mm-hmm. work maybe that's needed to to start really getting things heading in the right direction. Here's a question that's been like bugging me for a little bit with Andy, um, and and you know the pe- people talk about the Pirates having 
development issues with prospects. And, you know, we've seen some guys come up through the system now with Charrington where we're like, oh, okay, like Luis Ortiz being an example. Um, Do you think the Pirates had a hand in how fast Endy developed? Or do you think it's just Endy being Endy? And he would have done that in any system. I think it's a little of both. You could probably say it's yeah. both. I know. I, I, I think. I think. Like, if you look at his numbers in like the the mess system, and like he was always above an above average hitter. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. so I mean, you could always probably always expected something to him to be good. But I mean, you you, you have to think that like it, it's it's like a team thing. Like, I hate to be like neutral with it, but it's like a team thing, right? Like. Like yeah, part of it's Andy doing it because he's the one that has to go out there and do all that kind of stuff. But you know, it's the development team, you know, supporting him and and giving him freedom to be himself and and you know, giving him pointers and stuff like that. And so like, I, yeah, Andy's probably probably a major league player no matter what system he's in. Mm-hmm. But I, I I I think I do think that the development team does that did have a hand in it somewhat yeah it was just a question burning in my head i was yeah kind of no, I, I, think and even, I think that's fair and even to the degree of like last year like we talked about with when they initially promoted uh henry davis to double a to give andy the catching job in greensboro it was like i feel like there was a piece of that that was like 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 we want him to be back there which helped him flourish himself so i think yeah they recognize that there's an there's more than there's more than just an opportunity to get our first overall pick from from a, that year up to the next level because you know he's an advanced hitter and you know he should be moving up quickly, but there's also an opportunity here that because remember Andy didn't get off to the best of starts during the season like he he was hitting okay but he like mm-hmm. he was just he was just a kind of okay and that was when they had him kind of bouncing around all over the place and Henry Davis was getting the majority of the time. But, you know, like the system recognized, okay, well, we know there's more here. So, like, what's going on? So, okay, let's send Henry Davis to Altoona, get him on the fast track like he should be, and then, boom, Andy just explodes. Yep. And then they flip-flop. Yeah. (laughs) Well, guys, that was our top 30 Pirates prospect list. It was exciting. Um, there was some surprise names on there. Um, there were some surprise names left off the list. Um, Sean Sullivan. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Smith and Jigba. Thanks. I'm, I'm a yellow y'all. <laughs> I, had, I had Sullivan 31. Thank you very much. <laughs> Just outside. Just a bit outside. Well, I mean... You know, we, we genuinely hope you enjoyed the top 30 list. And, you know, it was fun for for us to do it. It's always fun to talk mm-hmm. to prospects. So, you know, thank you guys for listening to this. And after this episode drops, we will most likely surpass the most downloads in this podcast. It's very short history. February, we passed it. Um, the shortest month of the year. And you, your guys' support has been amazing. And we absolutely appreciate it. But... Before we end the podcast, Nola, we have been foreshadowing this the entire episode. And you have to get your woo saws in. I know. Woo saw. 
Woosah. Get them in. But <laughs> the Pittsburgh Pirates have optioned Travis Swaggerty and Tukapita Marcano to AAA. Marcano, we kind of expected, but the way Swaggerty Talk has been performing in spring, we thought maybe he had an outside chance, but when you think about it, he never had a chance all along. And I'm not going to continue to talk about it because it pisses me off the way they use him. I am going to let the man of the hour, Nola Jeffy, <laughs> give us his rant about this because it's it's a doozy. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't even know if I remember everything I was going. I think I pretty much like blacked out when I was mess- started messaging y'all earlier. But I just – there's so many things of it I just – it upsets me from so many standpoints. And it's just, um, I think like one of the things I said earlier was just when I first tweeted about it, it was just, you know, how they're putting, they put such a talk about like defense and, you know, we get a defense first catcher. We get a defense first, first baseman, two of them. And then, we got Hayes at third. They're moving Reynolds to left field only to take Jack Sawinski and put him in center field. And, like, if you look at, like, outfield jump numbers, sprint speed, they're really not that much different. Arm strength. So it's almost like they're really just doing a younger version of Brian Reynolds in center field. So what – at that point, why even move Reynolds to left field? Just leave him in center field. And then going further, I personally wanted a Reynolds left field, Swaggerty center field, Smith and Jigba right field. Wait, did I say it right? Reynolds left, Swaggerty center, and Jigba right field. And I had actually wrote an article on all this, but it was a very long one and it never got published. But um, <clears throat> just to go through some, like, Jack Swinsky numbers, and uh, I just want to say I'm not a Jack Swinsky hater. I love Jack. I just think he has aspects he needs to work on, and I think he would benefit working on some of these things in AAA. Because, you know, I'll see people say that, well, he's the guy with experience, and, I mean, he doesn't even have a full year's experience yet. He only had 372 plate appearances in 2022. And then breaking that down even further, and here's – I'll throw this out there too. I would would like someone to prove – explain, prove, or tell me why Jack Sawinski should be the starter without mentioning 19 home runs is is what I would say. Tell me why Jack Sawinski should be the starter outside of just – the fact that he's hit 19 home runs. Because if we go to his numbers last year, when he first got caught up, <clears throat> he had a 123 WRC plus in his first 62 games. He batted, he had a 30.7 K rate, a 9.2% walk rate, and then he went over 28. Now here's here's the fun part to me. He got sent down to AAA. Now, when we're talking about all these other players, we talk about their triple a indianapolis numbers all the time well and obviously i'm gonna use swaggerty everyone's like well he was just an average hitter he had 102 wrc plus in indianapolis 
when Swinski went down to AAA, in 31 games, he had an 81 WRC plus, an eight and a half percent walk rate, a 37.7 percent K rate. Mind you, these numbers are near identical to Mason Martin, and there ain't nobody talking about how Mason Martin needs to be in the majors right now just because he hits home runs. Because this also ties back to how we all want to talk. Everybody wants to bring up the fact that this whole triple A equals double A. They're the same thing. And I just think that is complete bullshit. I think Ben Chard, I think it was something he said back in with the Red Sox. Yeah. And I think it's complete bullshit. I think people are, I think it was something that was mostly said in a heat of a moment because people were upset that prospects weren't getting promoted from double A to triple A. So it's just like, Oh, we think they're the same thing. But if you look at some of these prospects numbers, like Mason Martin, again, he crushed double A. He was awful in triple A. Like they're not the same. Cause if we look at the prospects, the pirates pirates have promoted it pretty much the, you know, I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now. The high tiered prospects, they promoted straight to the majors. is pretty much, Castro, Marcano, and Sawinski. Castro struggled, got sent down, and then started the next year in Indianapolis. Marcano, he just got optioned. I mean, he came up, had that hot start, fumbled around, went down, came back up, had a couple good games, fumbled around, went back down. He pretty much was the 2022 version of Castro in 21, where he was just like up, down, up, down, up, down. And then, obviously, Swinski. But even when Swinski got called back up, I mean, after his stint in AAA, he had a 99 WRC+. plus. But that came with a 13.9% walk rate, a 31.1% K rate, and an OPS under 700. So, the numbers aren't fantastic. I mean, the 982 OPS at home. 395 on the road, 794 OPS against right-handers, 511 OPS against left-handers. He hit the 19 home runs, but that only came with 38 RBIs. Because with runners in scoring position, it was a 159, 289, 391 runner uh, slash with runners in scoring position. With men on, it was 191, 284, 404. So it's not like he was a clutch hitter with runners on. And it's just, I think he is someone that could benefit in AAA. I think there are still holes to his game. And this is one of those aspects where, you know, people say spring training numbers, you know, it's like they matter for some people, they don't matter for other people. What we're seeing this spring is a lot of what the existing issues with him are of the swing and miss. You know, and because in the same breath, we want to look at what Hayes is doing and be like, oh, Hayes is a brand new player. It's like, well, I thought spring training numbers don't matter. It's like, but there's certain aspects to what he's lifting the ball. He's pulling the ball. There's certain aspects that we look to and we see and we're like, okay, something has changed. Mm -hmm. And when we go back to someone like Swaggerty, for me, the way his spring went are certain specific things that I have been mentioning for a while now. Like he does hit the ball hard. The dude plays great defense. The dude's got a good arm. 
And people were like, uh, uh, well, his numbers are this. And I'm like, no. And we finally saw numbers. We finally were able to put like EVs on them. And it's like, see, it's there. And, and it's just, I don't know. I've, it, it just gives me this whole feeling of like they're catering to their guys for better or for worse. I mean, people want to talk options. <clears throat> and Jigbo Swaggerty and Swinsky all have two options left. I, mean, I think Connor Joe still has two options left. Yeah. But it's like, oh, yeah, but they traded a prospect for Joe. So. <laughs> I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. And I think one of the the arguing points for Swaggerty was, well, he was facing minor league pitching. And you had some numbers, I guess, that kind of refuted that argument, um, especially with back-end pitchers i mean he was hitting major league pitchers well it's a, yeah i think i responded that to someone <clears throat> might even actually be while we were starting this podcast so you know i was like i mean he hit a home he hit two of his three home runs off major league relievers and he hit a home run off zach wheeler like not not exactly back-end relievers yeah and you you brought up the you had a spreadsheet where um they were kind of grooming Swaggerty to be a bench player, a fourth outfielder. And you kind of had the uh, starter replacement. You had the spreadsheet there and it mm-hmm. pretty much told that tale. Of mm-hmm. They're not using Swaggerty where they should. At yeah. All. They didn't give him a chance from jump. Pretty much. No, it, that's, that's what it feels like now at this point. And it sucks. It absolutely sucks because in the things that he could control, he excelled in them. And he did what he could do. And, and, I, I and one of the things that pisses me off too is the fact that, you know, when it, and that's what I was saying, like, you know, the people that will be smart. I don't want to be that guy that says, like, well, I watch the games, you know. I'm, I don't want to do that. I, I want to be able to put the numbers out there and let the players play, show that. But at the same time, when someone's like, oh, you've watched this. And I'm like, I have. And this is what I've seen. And then, like, Swagger, he's out there on the, on the field. I'm like, this is what I've been saying. Like, it, it's being put on display. And then we're, again, I don't, don't dislike Swinsky. I think he's a great player. But I just don't think they're putting these players in the best place for them to succeed. Like, and people want to talk about confidence. Like, I feel like at this point, you might kill two players' confidence. Yeah, you brought that up in the chat. Because Sawinski did everything he could do, and they were just like, sorry. Sawinski's got a huge swing and miss issue. And it's continued. It isn't like it just showed up. He did a whole new swing. You know what? I hope he goes on a tear to start the year. Sawinski, I hope he does. But it, it's worrisome. So you have a guy that's swinging on his issue who doesn't look very comfortable in center field. So now you're asking him to do another thing, focus on two different things. Plus, like, if people want to bring up his F war last year, 
a lot of that was based off of his positive defense in right field. So now you're diminishing that by putting him in the center. So you're going to have maybe a 700 OPS average center fielder. And you could have put Reynolds in center field and had much better out, output. It, yeah. With the same defensive average defensive center fielder. Yeah, I, I don't really think there's going to be much change defensively. No, no. It, it just all around – Sucks. It, it sucks. And and I, I think Mackie tweeted out the reason the Pirates sent him down to AAA was because they want him to start every game. I mean, you could have done that in the major <laughs> level. And Nola, you brought up the fact that if it came down to CSN and Swaggerty, you could see that argument where they would pick CSN over Swaggerty. But the I, discussion... I can really understand that to a degree, yeah. But the discussion comes into Swaggerty over Sawinski, and the numbers are just glaring, in my opinion. I, And like you said, I love Jack. I've talked to Jack several times. He's a good guy. I think he's a good player. It's just he needs to work on shit. And the Pirates don't see it that way, and it sucks. I, I don't think he can fix that, those issues at the major league level. I just don't. And that's what, yeah, because you look, I mean, yeah, it was only 31 games, but I mean, for someone, you know, because again, if we're saying that double A equals triple A, plus he had MLB experience, he should have been crushing triple A. This the same way Cal Mitchell was absolutely demolishing triple A. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't (laughs) by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Striking out. Basically 38% of the time. That does not translate to everyday outfield starter. It just doesn't. And I and Murph, you've brought up the fact that those 19 home runs are not repeatable, especially with the way he's been swinging the bat. Yeah, no, like at that point, it's really just the only numbers that really support it. If you want to get if you want kind of want to dig into the analytics and everything with it. The only numbers that really support those 19 home runs are the 19 home, home runs. Like he he didn't chase his chase rate was pretty good, but like his it's weird. His chase rate was good, but his whiff rate was really high. So that means he's not chasing baseballs out of the zone. He's just straight up missing. So like he's getting pitches to hit in the zone. He's just not capitalizing on it. And like we talk about, like him hitting the ball hard and stuff like that. I gotta pull it up to double check on this. Well, his his average EV was actually just a tick below league average, wasn't it? Yeah, that's that's what I was getting ready to to pull up just to double check and confirm with it. But like, yeah, first as we say, like he hits the ball hard, and yeah, he does. He does. There's sometimes when like it's really flashy, but he was in the 38th percentile when it came to average exit velocity. His max exit velocity was really good. Like he. He hit the ball hard when he hit the ball hard. Mm-hmm. It's just was it his max exit velocity was one twelve point four, but his his average was just eighty eight point three, which the major league average was eighty eight point four. So he was pretty much right at major league average with it. Yeah. So I don't know, and and like you said, Nola, I I hope he succeeds, Sawinski, but yeah. it it just doesn't look like it the way he's been in spring and the track record previous. So 
I don't know. Maybe he makes a 180 and turns things around. I just don't see it. I think Swaggerty deserved a starting role. It's just he was doomed from start. I don't think he had a chance to begin with, and here we are. We act surprised, but we probably really aren't. No, I, I, and that's why it doesn't surprise me. It's just a lot of the talk around it is just the whole, you know, people bring up like the player centric, players earning, and that's just, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's just like what, at that point, it's like what like, what's the guy got to do? That's like I told someone, I was like, apparently he's got to get traded, and then he has to go somewhere else, and then Ben Charrington has to trade for him to come back. Apparently, you know, like Connor Joe. <laughs> then he'll be like, oh, he's my guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You brought up the fact that he'll go to the Royals or the A's. <laughs> Well, that's what uh, who was it? Uh, Drew Waters, because Drew Waters got hurt, and I'm like, well, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe uh, he'll be the new Drew Waters since he got hurt. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but boys and girls, that's gonna do it for this episode. Um, like I said, we really appreciate all the support you've given us, and we really enjoyed this top thirty list. Um, you know, maybe we'll make this a yearly thing and continue to do it until we're old. Who knows? But <laughs> that that yeah, I know that was that was a weird statement. Um, but yeah. as always, we'll leave you with the uh, socials so that way you can follow us on the bird app. I'll start with mine. It's at two HG O one three. You can also follow my work on pittsburghbaseballnow.com. Um, recently wrote an article on Cody Bolton. Unfortunately, he got sent down to minor league camp but he had a really strong uh minor league or spring training and um looking forward to see what he can do in AAA now that he's strictly a bullpen pitcher kind of go balls to the walls as i put in the article so let's see murph give out your social big bear as always give me a follow on twitter at double underscore murphy 88 um subscribe to the youtube channel kind of gearing up for the started the season to start getting some new videos and stuff like that loaded up there. Um, follow my work on Pirates Prospects. It's at Pirate Prospects. Um, got something coming up in the morning on the catcher situation, not just in the major league level, but like the upper levels as well. Um, Altoona and Indy with the, the picture kind of becoming a little bit clearer with, with all the stuff that's gone on the last day or two. And then, um, I have no clue what I'm writing on for the Tuesday drop, but I will probably figure something out at at some point. <laughs> Nola, my ranting buddy, Woosaw, Woosaw, my friend, give out no, your no Nola man. knowledge today. That was my knowledge. <laughs> uh, at Nola Jeffy, N O L A J E F F Y. Not really working anything. Yeah, you know, just as I said, I think last time house projects. Did you build those shelves? Uh, no, today was uh, finishing the deck skirting, uh, sending off the sharp corners of my son's uh, place that I built. Nice. So Nice. All right. Well, yeah. like, I, like I said, guys, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast so you can hear uh, Nola rant 
some more on Travis Swaggerty throughout the season. That'll be fun. And uh, as always, we love yeah. you. And can we Let's go, Bucks. Let's uh, go, Bucks. You. Damn it. You bastard.